January 16th, 2024. We're in Masechet Bava Kama Andaf, Yod Gimal Amud Aleph, two lines from the top. <coughs> if you recall, the sugya very briefly is dealing with the opinion of Rabbi Yoseh HaGilili. Rabbi Yoseh HaGilili famously explains that Kadashim Kalim, when it comes to a korban like Shelamim, and we quickly expanded that to a conversation about Bechor, and we will in a moment to Ma'asir as well, Ma'asir Behemah. But fundamentally, when we're talking about a korban known as Korban Shelamim, where both the owner and the Kohen and Kivyachol HaKadosh Baruch Hu consume parts of it, they eat parts of this animal, uh, the halakha is that its status, its legal standing is, it's Mamon Be'alim. It belongs to the, uh, to the person who's bringing it as a sacrifice. You might imagine when we're dealing with Kodesh, it's entirely not mine. Once I sanctified it, once I said this is Hekdesh, it uh, leaves my possession entirely. Not so with Kadashim Kalim, according to Rabbi Yoseh Gilili. Rabbi Yohanan, so much so, attached himself to this understanding of Rabbi Yoseh Gilili that he suggested in our Mishnah, when our Mishnah is talking about damaging the property of another, when it doesn't have the sin of Me'ila attached to it. He said, well, it could be, his understanding, that that item which was damaged, that animal which was damaged, is Kodesh. Uh, but nonetheless, you're liable. Why would I be liable? There's not going to be me'ila, me'ila meaning that sin of getting any uh, benefit from Kodesh. Said Rabbi Yohanan, it would be a case like Rabbi Yosei HaGilili. Our Mishnah is according with the opinion of Rabbi Yosei HaGilili. And as a result, my animal gores your animal, and your animal was set aside to be a korban shilamim. On the one hand, it is Kodesh. On the other hand, it doesn't have Me'ila. As a result, it's considered Mamon Be'alim. It's your animal. Me goring it, my animal damaging yours, makes me liable to pay. The Gemara challenged that. It challenged it from a Mishnah in Masechet Ma'asir Sheni. And the way that that Mishnah was dealt with by Rav Nachman and, uh, and by Rava. That's what the Gemara did at the bottom of Dafyot Bet Amut Bet, suggesting that Rabbi Oseha Gilili, it sounded like, ultimately speaking, would not easily accept that, generally speaking, all Korban Shilamim is to be considered Mamon Be'alim outside of the bounds of Kifirah Be'pikadon, the circumstance that the Torah is actually talking about in the Pasuk that he was referring to, uh, meaning the situation where I'm lying about. Uh, safeguarding your item or not doing so appropriately. And, and as a result, that's really what we were left with at the top of Daf Yod Gimal Amud Aleph. We got to the point where we saw that Ravan Rav Nachman's understanding was in the situation, in the context of Bechor. Bechor would also be, it seems, a Kadashim Kalim. It's a firstborn animal, which the Kohen, for his property reasons, is able to consume it, he's able to eat from it. In that situation, they were only comfortable saying that Rabbi Yoseh HaGilili would say, it's considered you, Mr. Kohen, it's your property if it's outside of Israel. If it's in Israel, if it was born in Israel, even though it's Kadashim Kalim, even though it has that lower, less severe status, it's still not yours. Why outside of Israel is it more yours? Because Lechatechila, ideally, you're not supposed to even bring the animal to sacrifice in Israel. Therefore, okay, that's yours. Otherwise, it's not. So what it means, though, was that we left the class yesterday, we left the Gemara, the Subya, with a challenge to the Biohanan. The Biohanan's understanding was that uh, when it comes to Kadashim Kalim, we can say it quickly, according to the Biohanan Galili, it's going to always be considered mamon be'alim. The challenge was it doesn't seem so. 
Uh, why doesn't it seem so? From the challenge from a case called Bechor, the firstborn animal, where we said if it's the firstborn animal born in Israel, it's not considered yours. It's not considered yours. So much so that, to be practical in our case, if I gored, if you have this firstborn animal born in Israel, and my animal gores your animal, I'm not liable to pay for it. Why am I not liable to pay for it? It's Mamon Be'alim. That situation, it's not Mamon Be'alim. Now we have the response of Rabbi Yohanan. It's a brief response before we move onward. In, on the same issue, but two lines from the top here, and Afiyot Gimal Amud Aleph says, says the Gemara for Rabbi Yohanan Matenot Kehunaka Amarta? Question mark. Is that um, a Vechor is specifically, if it's born outside of Israel, the Halakha, according to all is that it's not to be sacrificed. You're not supposed to carry it and travel. You're supposed to be even it's only a Bechor which is born in Israel, which is really what the Pasuk in the Torah seems to describe, which is to be sacrificed. Outside of Israel, listen, you brought it into Eretz Israel, you deal with it. Correct. Because it's Omed Lahakrava, those are the term, that's the terminology. And as a result, again, we're realizing that Rabbi Yosei Galili is far from simple. Uh, because if Bechor, which is born in Israel, Bechor Shinolad Be'eris Yisrael, Bizman Shabbat Mikdash Kayam, but even Shalob Bizman Shabbat Mikdash Kayam, potentially, potentially, the halacha is going to be, it's not Mamon Be'alim, it's what we call Mamon Gavoa. It's still Mamon Be'alim. Because the idea, the fact that it wasn't supposed to be sacrificed in the ideal sense means then and only then is Imamun Be'alim. Uh, but that being the case, again, Rabbi Yohanan, uh, what happened to your Rabbi Yosei What happened to that far-reaching principle? Says the Gemara, question mark, it's a rhetorical question. Wait a second, you're mixing apples and oranges. I hate to be so trite. But that's the response of the Gemara for Rabbi Yohanan. Uh, in other words, when I'm dealing with Kadashim Kalim, let's remember what that meant, the Korban Shilamim, it's qualitatively different, I'm going to reconstruct it myself, than what's called Matenot Kehuna. If I'm the owner of the animal, not a Kohen, and I say, here's my animal, which I'm going to sanctify and bring as a Korban for myself and my family members or whatever, that was a decision I made, took from my property, which was initially my property, turned it into Kodesh, it maintains maybe a certain status of my own. Matenot kehuna. there are 24 cases, what we call the presence to the Kohanim. Once upon a time, the Kohanim weren't working that much outside of Mishkan and Kodesh things. As a result, we had to give them all sorts of things. In addition to the grain that we're familiar with, but those as well, uh, there was uh, other matanot kehuna. Some of them were Hazen and Shok, it's parts of the animal we mentioned yesterday. When I bring the Korban, I give those parts of the animal. An addition, is Bechor. Bechor is Matenot Kehona. Every Kohen got special Kohen, a special present. He got the firstborn animals of someone's flock. That animal, the Hazen Shok, the anything that's going to the Kohen, could you, should you imagine that it's the same as the animal which Avi Harari, non Kohen, separated to give to God as a Korban Shilamin? As says the Gemara for Rabbi Yohanan, they're very different. One was Avi's originally. It was mine originally. I sanctified it. All right, it kept its status, says Rabbi Yohanan. Kohen, you never owned this. That's not Mamun Be'alim. No, but you don't understand. He gets to eat from it. He gets to eat from it. Sure, Borei Olam gave him a beautiful present that he gets to eat from it. It was never his. The answer for the Gemara, of the Gemara for Rabbi Yohanan is you're comparing the wrong issue over here. You brought me a Mishnah from Masechet Ma'ase 
Sheni at the bottom of Daf Yod Bet Amud Bet, which was talking about Bechor. Bechor is a different reality. It's called Matenot Kehuna. Someone made this claim yesterday, I don't remember who, and I purposely def- deflected them at the time. It was before the Gemara, quote, thought about this. But the Gemara now is saying, for the Hana, maybe Jared, maybe the Gemara is now saying that, uh, uh, it's easy to say if he's not here, as the Gemara is now saying that Matenot Kehuna is and would be maybe according to even Rabbi Yosei Agilili, not Mamon Gavoa, says the Gemara again, Matenot Keona Ka'amarta, where you're talking about Matenot Keona, i.e. Bechor, Shanem Matenot Keona, Shanem Ilashon Shone, it's different when dealing with those presents which are given to the Kohen, the donations, the obligatory donations to the Kohen, the ki kazachu, mishuhan gavoa kazachu, the way in which they get rights to that animal, that rights to those, that parts of the meat, of the flesh of the animals, mishuhan gavoa. We never imagined the Kohen as having any possession, any legal standing in this. As a result, it's certainly going to have me'ilah, Yes, but I, again, the, the point is we're distinguishing between uh, Shilamim, which wouldn't have Me'ila even though it's Kodesh, and the Bechor, which would be more Kadosh and more prone to Me'ila. All right, that's the Gemara's answer. So the Gemara says, You think you're finished with it now? You think you're out of the woods? We got Rabbi Yohanan out of the woods. Again, the major challenge to Rabbi Yohanan was from Bechor. The response, quite simply, was. You're comparing the wrong things. I was talking about an animal which was mine originally. I sanctified. I maintained status. You were talking about an animal which was never belonging to the Kohen. He got it from the table of the Grand Master God. That says the Gemara, but I have a little bit more to do. Gufa, what's that? Yeah. The way, the way they were explaining, right, right, correct. In other words, Eli wants me to be further fine-tuned that according to Rabbi Yohanan, the only time I'm dealing with a Bechor, which is considered the possession of the Kohen, is if it was born outside of Israel. That's an additional detail, which we will return to in just a bit. Says the Gemara Gufa. Anytime you see that word in the Gemara, Gufa. Guf means a body, of course. Gufa means we're going back to something which was quoted earlier, either not quoted in its entirety, or quoted and not fully delved into, dealt with in the full sense that the Hachamim wanted to do so. So Gufa means let's go back to the meat of the matter. What was the meat of the matter? You imagine we're going back to our Mishnah, not back to our Mishnah. We're still on Rabbi Yosei HaGilili's opinion of Kadashim Kalim being Mamon Be'alim. Again, I just repeat one last time, the concept is a, a fascinating concept if you take a step back. I know we're not so connected to korbanot, but just imagine it for a moment and compare it to the way you'd maybe imagine Kodesh works. And certainly once upon a time, Bizman Israel, the time that we received the Torah, the way our surrounding nations imagined matters of sanctity. Here's an item which I gave, quote unquote, to God, and they nonetheless have rights within it. That's a, a statement. It's a startling thing almost as much as, you know, that pasuk in this week's parasha, we learned about Masech Betzah, that you have the right to determine the first of the month and the right to determine the calendar. That's unprecedented. Am Yisrael from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we're given the rights to determine time. Well, that belongs to the gods, the surrounding nations would have said. Over here, you're dealing with something in which the Torah is telling us, even though you've sanctified this, 
it's still yours. We're sharing it. It's earth shattering. It's a statement. What's that? Could you compare it to a pidyon where the Kohen is standing in for God? The child, I, I would think the opposite, because I think pidyon always leads me in the opposite direction. It means that you're not actually, I guess, because you redeemed yourself. Over here, it's not even redemption. It's yours and mine from the onset. But in other words, pidyon, pidyon speaks to, I always feel, to the other end of things. You're not actually in control of yourself. I'm going to give you some control. I'm going to allow for you to redeem. Oh, certainly. I'm not going to ransom your soul. I'm not going to make you, like the surrounding nations, sacrifice your child, your firstborn. Also, maybe it's along those lines. It is countercultural in that respect. Don't sacrifice your child. You can redeem and be a part of this. But over here, from its onset, even though I turn this into Kodesh, it's still partially mine. Anyway, says the Gemara Gufa, that was where all this discussion began. The whole discussion began from a Beraita, which Rabbi um, Yohanan quoted from. Uh, the, 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 the statement of, in this, uh, uh, in, uh, of, of Rabbi Yohanan, of, in this Beraita, is in the context of Kifira Bepikadon, lying about your safeguarding of the, of the item that you were entrusted to do so with. The Pasuk says, You were Mo'il Ma'al Bahashim, you betrayed God. And the next words in the Pasuk are Vikihesh Ba'amito. And you furthermore, at the same time, lied to your friend. How are you lying to your friend and stealing and betraying God? It must be Kadashim Kalim Shehimamun Ba'alim. I found this in between case where it's both whole and Mo'ed, you know, I'm, I'm smiling at right? In other words, I found both Kodesh and Mamun Be'alim, Ben Azayomer. This Beraita, which we cited earlier, we only read half of it. We only read the part that was necessary. Let's read the whole thing. Ben Azayomer, Lerabot et Ben Azay's next words are interesting because they seem to just be repeating, reiterating what we saw in Rabbi Yosei He says, this pasu comes to include Shilamim. I've been talking to you for two days now until I'm blue in the face that Shilamim are our example of, is our example of, uh, Kadashim Kalim. What did Ben Azai do that Rabbi Yosei Agilili did? And Rabbi Yosei Agilili starts off and he says, you want the in-between case? Kadashim Kalim. Beautiful. It says Ben Azai, you want to know what it is? Shilamim. Did you teach me uh, something that I, I didn't have earlier? Uh, the Gemara will A, explain seemingly, implicitly, that he's just explaining Rabbi Yosei but he's coming to fine-tune something, to tell us Shilamim are Mamon Be'alim, but something else isn't. What might not be? We might already know. We so- well, Bechor, remember Bechor, Bechor we said, which is Matenot Kehunat, Ki Kazachu, Mishuhan Gavoa Kazachu, right? We're going to talk about Bechor maybe being outside in addition to, okay, anyway, Abba Yosef Ben Dustae Omer, Lo Amar Ben Azai Ela Bechor Bilvat. How do you like that? The final statement says you should know. He was only talking about Bechor, Biose Hagilili, when he said that it's Mamon Be'alim, that it's the ownership. Of the uh, of the person, a person has a, a legal standing. Uh, what bechor? If anything, we okay. We'll deal with each of this. What's that? Right, uh, indeed. Rashi will be clear about that in a bit. That when we're talking about bechor in this whole sugya, we're only talking about bechor outside of Israel. Um, very much so. Well said. He said only bechor, not even shilami. So we have a matter of dispute. 
He meant Ben Azai only meant Bechor. I, I understand the issue. Okay, give it a, give it a minute. Shilamim are, are, are different korbanot that can either be a donation or on the holidays you had two types of shilamim which were obligatory. It's an animal which you were to bring, you slaughter, the kohanim take a portion, God kivyachol, you burn a portion and you eat a portion. Um, it's, it's, it's milashon shalem or shalom, it's so to speak, a peace offering. That's what we always refer to it as. One of the famous ones is the korban toda described in uh, the beginning of Sefer Vayikra. Anyway, it says, so the Gemara, uh, and then on the holidays, again, and it makes sense on the holidays you brought these, Shalmei Hagigan, Shalmei Simcha. Of course, on the holiday, what were you doing? You were sacrificing to God and enjoying, and enjoying. So the fundamental, the prime, when we talk about, you know, you have to rejoice on the holiday. When the Beit HaMikdash was around, had you rejoice? Uh, I'm sure you also had a festive meal, but the mitzvah from the Torah is to bring what's called Shalmei Simcha. It was a korban which you consumed and you sacrificed. That's what we're talking about in Shalamim. Amar Mor, says the Gemara, okay, now Amar Mor means the Master said, now that we just quoted the Beraita, let's deal with this Beraita. Amar Mor brings us back to the statement just a moment ago. Ben Azai Omer Okay, so the statement was, again, Ben Azai qualifying, Rabbi Osea Gilili says, when is it and what is Bamon Be'alim Lerabote Tashilamim Lema'otemai? That's coming to exclude what? Again, uh, what, else, uh, what else are we talking about? Uh, Rabbi Yossi Agilili says, if it's uh, Kadashim Kalim, it's considered the legal property ownership of the person. Says Ben Azai, oh, I'll tell you what he's talking about, Shilami. What else? Ilema, maybe it's Lema'ute Bechor. Maybe it's coming to exclude Bechor. And again, Rashi interprets this line, the Gemara, although some interpret it differently, that the Bechor, like Alan said a moment ago, is talking about Bechor even in Chutzlaret, even outside of Israel, when it was never really, quote-unquote, standing to be sacrificed. It's outside of Israel. You're not supposed to be sacrificing. Maybe even over there, Rabbi Yosei says, oh, no, 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 that's not Mamon Be'alim. Says the Gemara, I can't accept. I can't accept that that's what Ben Azai would be saying to interpret Rabbi Yosei because the Gemara will now tell us, we think that if you look at this, just even as an outsider, which one would seem like it's less in your possession? A korban shelamim or a bechor, let's make it even better, in chutzlaret. Well, let's think about this. What do you know about, and Alan just asked me about a korban. Shelamim is a korban. What do we know about a korban? We know that it's sacrificed. We know that there's a lot of ritual acts. You have libation called nisuch. You have, hold on, you have so many actions which are connected to, which are prescribed from the Torah. You say on that item, you have all those laws, I'm not in control of that at all. And nonetheless, that's, I'm gonna tell you, you have a partial ownership. You're bringing that animal. You have all these laws attached to it as obligations, you need to do it, and it's nonetheless yours. You think on Maaseh, well, you don't need to do any of these things. The Kohen just needs to slaughter and eat it appropriately and nicely. You think over there that's not partial or full ownership of the Kohen? Oh, come on. Come on. You can't, you can't make such a... The Gemara says it's a Kalvahomer, it's a Kol Shikin in the opposite direction. If Shilamim, an animal, which you have a whole ritual order of what to do with it, that whole Seder HaAvodah, so a whole action-based uh, program of what you're supposed to do with it, and nonetheless it's considered yours, you're going to tell me is lighter, umash shilamim shete'unin semicha. 
Number one, korban shelamim needs what's called semicha. Semicha means the owner puts his hands on top of the animal, on the head of the animal, and uh, puts, puts on top of the animal and pushes it down just a bit. It's an ob- obligatory action. It's when, you, when you're bringing a, an offering, it's supposed to have a vidui appropriately done. There's all sorts of halachot. We learned in Masech Betzad, uh, we just addressed briefly semicha in Masech Hagiga. There's a famous Mishnah about semicha. And then, of course, in, in Seder Kodashim, there's lots on semicha, but that's an action that's done. Obligatory. You need to be doing this. That's not your choice. You're compelled. The Torah tells you. Number two, unisachim. You need a certain libation. You need to take wine. You need to spill it out on the mizbeach as you're doing so. Oh, extra. Utnufat shok. Tenufa means you raise up the hazeh and shok. Those are the body parts of the animal which are being given to the kohen. I have to tell you, most people today, for good reason, if they ever think about tenufa, they think about the Gemara's characterization of the lulav and etrog. Lulav and etrog, we pick up and we put down on the holidays when it's similar to Tenufa, the Gemara even uh, likens them in Masechet Sukkah. I always imagine, a strange imagination, I don't know why, but maybe you'll find uh, something on this, is when, the, uh, when, when Morris Abraham raises the baby, that's my Tenufa, so, so to speak, saying here's an entrance into the sanctity of Am Yisrael. Regardless, that's Tenufa. Tenufa is when you pick up and put down uh, the Hazen the Shok. It's an obligatory action, so we mentioned at least three obligatory actions which apply to Korban Shilamim, which don't apply to a bechor, amarta mamon be'alim, and nonetheless, I'm telling you, no, no, but that's yours. It's mine with all these associated obligatory, I must do actions, bechor, indeed, but so bechor as well, the Kohen gets the bechor, and he doesn't need to do any of these actions. Bechor mi ba'ya? You need to tell me bechor is mamon be'alim? Can't be, ben azai. Not only do I know that it goes without stating, it's a kalvahom, it's logically the opposite way. Rashi, bechor mi ba'ya, and again, this is the Rashi I was quoting to you early, ube bechor, it's kama. And we're talking about a bechor outside of Israel, even outside of Israel, right? In other words, outside of Israel, the statement we're making is, that of Ben Azai explaining, Rabbi Yosei Gilili is saying it's not Mamon Be'alim. Fascinating. The logic is that since it's outside, I mean, it's on the flip side as well. If it's a Bechor outside of Israel, but there is no ritual. There is no ritual. So the point is, again, our understanding is that he's stating, Ben Azai, that even on a Bechor Chutzla'aretz, it's considered Mamon Gavoh, it's God's possession, so to speak, and not Mamon Be'alim. The claim is the opposite should be true. Now, in the initial statement of Ben Azai, we can't understand how Bechor Chutzla'aretz would be out. And now in the response of the Gemara to that, we're saying at least Bechor Chutzla'aretz should be in, should be considered Mamon Be'alim, it was never Omed Lahakrava. Ela Amar Biohanan, rather Biohanan says, listen, I'll give it to you, you're right. When Ben Azai explained the opinion of Rabbi Oseha Gilili and said, we're talking about Shilamim, which is Mamon Hediot, it's the ownership of me. Again, the nafkamina, the halachic ramification that we're kind of dealing with is if an animal gores into it, uh, are they liable or not? If it's a bechor, it's or shelamim, you're liable to pay. Why? Mamon be'alim. It belongs to the original owner. He has legal rights to it. So what was he saying? When he said, you know, that pasuk is talking about shelamim, lema'ute ma'asir. It's coming for yet another seemingly kadashim kalim situation, which we're going to suggest is 
is mamon gavoa, doesn't belong to the, uh, to the person who seemed to have the possession of it. What is ma'aser? Every tenth animal, we learned about this in Masechet Roshana uh, a lot, uh, every tenth animal was to be sanctified as well. You had to count them, you had to put a mark on it, and that was Kodesh, and that every tenth was Kodesh. And the suggestion over here is that whereas Shilamim, and even Bechor, at least in Chutzalar, it's our mamon be'alim, ownership of the original person in possession, when it comes to ma'asir, not so. How do you, can you prove that? Sure, I can prove it by contrasting bechor and ma'asir. Let me understand which one's more severe with regards to what I'm allowed to do to it. If I can discover that bechor gives me more rights, I could suggest bechor is kind of yours. If ma'asir gives you less rights of what you're allowed to do in terms of dealing with the meat, you're, you're the kohen. Yeah, but even the person. We're going to talk about what the person can no, do as well. Before, yeah, hang tight. Even Bechor Chutzlat. Which one? No, no, we're going to be talking about Neres Israel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kedetanya, as the Beraita teaches. Bebechor Neemar, Lotifde. The Pasuk by Bechor says it may not be redeemed. Now, if I tell you that something may not, I say, here's the rules. Hold on to this. It's yours, Mr. Cohen. Don't redeem it. Or you, whatever, not Cohen. Don't redeem it. What are my laws? Well, what are the associated instructions? Don't redeem it. It means that I can do other things to it. Don't redeem it. Redeem it meaning take the monetary value and then use it. Don't redeem it when it's tam, when, it's, when it doesn't have any blemishes. As a result, nimkar tam, number one, I, I understand that I can sell it. It's complete. You say, no, Rabbi, you're not allowed to be so. Why am I not allowed to sell it? The Torah only says I can't redeem it. I can sell it. Hi. These are the laws we saw earlier. I'm allowed to take my before my firstborn animal, and sell it while it's alive. I'm allowed to sell it while it's dead and slaughtered, provided that it had a blemish. In contrast, and this is the most important part for us, in Ma'asir, the Pasuk says alternatively, it doesn't say, it doesn't just say, the Pasuk says, so forth. Pasuk alternatively says, Lo Yigael, and we learn from that, Enonim Kar, Lo Hai, Lo Shahut, Lo Tam, Lo Ba'amum. That Pasuk of Lo Yigael, it cannot be, how do they translate the word? Redeemed, but that's the way I translated the word Yifkeh. What? Sold, good. In other words, Yigael is more all inclusive. You can't do anything to it. You can't even. Sell it. I'll pause for a second. Leave all the details aside. What I've now presented to you, again, leave the pesukim aside in the context of what I present to you, two types of animals. One is called bechor. I don't even know what it means. The other is called ma'asir. I don't know what it means either. I just know the associated laws. On this animal on the right-hand side, you told me you're allowed to sell it under some conditions. On this animal, you told me you're never allowed to sell it. Which one has a higher level holiness? Clearly the one on the left, the Ma'asir, which you told me you can't sell, says the Gemara, that's what Ben Azai meant. When Ben Azai piped up and he says, ooh, you want to know when it's Kadashim Kalim to the extent that it's Mamon Be'alim, it's the ownership of the, an, of, of, of the initial person in possession of it, that's true with regards to Shilamim, parentheses, and even Bechor and Chutzlart. It's not true with regards to Ma'asir. Why not? Ma'asir has more laws 
telling you you're not allowed to just manipulate it. That's the suggestion over here. It is not really yours. That's right. It's Mamon Gavoa. Says the Gemma. <coughs> you can't do much with it. You, uh, what do you mean? Sure, sure, it's going to cost, I mean, all these are going to cost you to a certain extent. This one, to the extent that you can't, you can't do anything with it. You got to hold on to it, make sure that it stays. Okay, says the Gemara, okay, that's, that's our interpretation to Ben Azai. Now, a little bit of a, of a difficult a last few lines. Says the Gemara, Ravina matne la asefa. Ravina, that whole conversation we just had in comparing ma'asef and bechor, matne means he taught it asefa, in the final words of the Biraita. What were the final words of the Biraita? I'm already confused. I had Ben Azai in the initial uh, explanation of Rabbi Yosei And Ben Azai told us that Rabbi Yosei was only talking about Shilamim. And we said it means Shilamim, but not Maaseh. But then I had a final line. Remember the final line? Abba Yosef ben Dustae Omer, quote, Lo Amar ben Azai, Ela bebechor bilvad. Remember those words? Well, the final words of the Beraita said that Biosei Galili was only saying it's Mamon Be'alim when it is Bechor. As Alan rightfully explained to us, it means Bechor in Chutzlar. It's only in Bechor in Chutzlar when it's never Omed Lahakrava, when it's never supposed to be sacrificed. Is it your possession? What's he coming to exclude? In other words, in what situation where it is? Again, Kadashim Kalim. I hope we all now have a better appreciation of the Korbanot said on Shabbat morning. We know what some of them mean. We know some of the associates laws now. What would that be coming to exclude to say that it's not Mamon Be'alim, it's not the rightful ownership of the person in possession of it. Uh, maybe it's to tell me that Shilamim, remember our sacrifice, the one that I'm going to eat from, I'm going to enjoy, that's the one which is Mamon Gavo. Even according to the Biosei Gilili, it's inconceivable, I'll tell you why. Because Bechor could be seen through the lenses of more severe. Why is it more severe. Before, at what point does it become holy? Did you have a part in making it holy? Absolutely not. The Bechor is Kadosh Merechem. When it's already when it's already in the womb of the mother, it has a sanctity, holiness status immediately. If I'm telling you on Bechor, you nonetheless have a certain ownership, you have a certain stake in it. Certainly when the animal wasn't holy from birth, it was yours initially, it was walking around my backyard, I was thinking about what to do with it, and so on and so forth. And then I sanctified it, I maintained Mamun Be'alim, and maintained a certain uh, ownership status in it. So then what could or would this statement of Abba Yosef ben Dusta'e be referring to when he tells us that Rabbi Yosef Gilili was only talking about Bechor. He can't be saying only Bechor but not Shilamim. He has to include Shilamim as well. This... You lost rights because you made that decision to sanctify it. It was your way of disassociating from it. I hear you. We don't go that way, but it's a nice sevara. I, I mean it. Says the Gemara, that, in other words, even though you made that decision, harder for us to imagine that it's less yours, but I understand what you're saying. If, if it's my decision, I wholeheartedly gave it up. I never... Okay, says the Gemara, Amar Biyohanan, instead, we're learning it in this fashion, Ma'aser, lo 
So the Gemara instead attributes that whole conversation that Beraita that we just cited to this final statement. When this rabbi, Abba Yoseh ben Dusta'eh, said that Yerbi Yoseh Agilili's intention was on Bechor, he was talking about Bechor not to exclude Shilamim, but to exclude Ma'asir. Why? Because Bechor and even uh, Shilamim are less severe than Ma'asir. How is it less severe than Ma'asir? Ma'asir has a status which makes it not movable, not sellable, and therefore, specifically, Ma'asir's Mamon Gavua says the Gemara habe bechor bilvad ka'amar kashya. The question in the Gemara is its final line, and it st- stands with this question. But wait a second, did you read the words? Not so carefully, even the words of Abay Yosef ben Dusta'e were bechor and only bechor is where Rabbi Yosef Hagilili says it's Mamon Be'alim. It sounds like he's coming to be exclusive to say and not Shilamim. And as a result, the Gemara concludes with the word Kashya. Kashya is not Teku, it's not a strong standing question. Kashya, Ramban Nachmani, and others quote from the Geonim. In many places, we have a tradition when the Gemara says Kashya, they had an answer to this question. They just didn't think it was a great answer, so they leave it with Kashya. Very often the Rishonim will weigh in, try to tell you what the answer is. Let's just read three more lines over here in the Gemara, back to the issue that we started with. Really started three days ago, or three classes ago with. And that was the Mishnah tells us, under what circumstances do you have to pay if you if you damaged another person's property? If, first qualification, there's no me'ilah. So our assumption was there's no me'ilah, but it is Kodesh. That's why we got into this long and far-reaching conversation about Kadashim Kalim. Even though it's holy, nonetheless, there's no me'ilah. Why is there no me'ilah? Because the owner's allowed to benefit from it. It's partially his. Says Ravai, you misread the Mishnah. You're overreading this. You're too sensitive in the wording. When the rabbis use those words in the Mishnah and they say, when are you liable on an animal that doesn't have me'ilah? They mean an animal that is not holy. No, but why does it say me'ilah? I don't know why it does me'ilah, but it means it's not holy, which means to say that even Kadashim Kalim, every situation, they weren't so particular. It was a, uh, a poetic flourish is the word I would use. In other words, it's a way of saying, the words I would use, it's a way of saying Kodesh. It's a fancy way of saying Kodesh. People all the time ask me, why do you say it like that when you say it more simply? The first time I learned that was I was speaking, embellished. They embellished it. I I thought you were saying that's a word I use. I I remember I said, uh, Moshe hit the, or or struck the stone was the first time I was speaking to students. And they looked at me with blank faces. I said, why didn't you just say hit the rock? That's right. Why can't you talk? I I don't know. He struck the stone. Anyway, so the Gemara, that's what Rava says over Rava Amar, my nechasim she'en bahem me'ila. What did it mean in the Mishnah when we talked about nechasim she'en bahem? Nechasim she'en bahem din me'ila. It's a property which doesn't have an associated law of not benefiting. Umay ninhu? What would that be including? Dehidyot. Any situation where it's owned by a person as opposed to God, not hektish. Says the Gemara, if that's the case, so then why didn't the Mishnah quite simply say, that would have been even more simple. Why did the Mishnah, again, why did you say, struck the stone? Why didn't you say, hit the rock? Kashya says the Gemara, okay, that is a, a question, not such a strong question, but it means Ravad could erase the whole conversation we had until now, not in terms of its law, but in terms of its application. According to Ravad's reading of the Mishnah, the Mishnah was never telling me that there's something which is Kodesh which you're liable for. As long as it's Kodesh, I don't care its status, if it's Ma'asir, if it's Bechor, if it's Kadashim Kalim, you're liable for none of them. 
I'm only liable, right? I'm only liable if it's owned by a person and it doesn't have any hikdash status to it, according to Ravaz's reading of the Mishnah. Baruch Amen, Amen,